0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them.
1: Good afternoon. You're listening to another episode of Family Business Radio. Today we have three wonderful guests. We have Alina Lee with Your Ad Attorney LLC chastity ashley with tpk wellness spa angie williams with be local and yours truly as your host anthony chen so kind of kicking us off with the show alina welcome to the show
2: thank you so much for having me it's an honor to be here
1: thank you for coming on so kind of share with us uh, your story as to what got you into law and what got you into focusing into business law in particular
2: I've been practicing law for almost 10 years now, and I, um, you know, I, I got into the practice of law because I, well, my parents were small business owners. My mom owned uh, a Chinese restaurant, a Japanese restaurant, Restaurant. my dad owned a liquor store and a laundromat. And so growing up, I was around small family businesses, and I, I really wanted to go back and help the people. Um, people like my parents, who, you know, frankly didn't have the best legal representation, and um, and and had trouble finding a good attorney.
1: So, kind of share with us uh, with the name, kind of somewhat giving it away your ad attorney. So, kind of share with us the audience: what does it mean to be an attorney that kind of specializes uh, with marketing and branding?
2: Sure, and I I certainly do a lot of um, marketing compliance work, but I also have a few other uh, DBAs. So I also work under your tech attorney and uh, your chief legal officer. And my clients tend to be in four areas, marketing, obviously, marketing industry, tech industry, retail, and consulting and um, i pro- i'm their go to attorney for all of their business legal needs so i basically serve as their outside general counsel on an as needed basis now i have regular phone calls with my clients or they can call me up or send me a text message or an email whenever they have you know legal needs and then i help them stay proactively compliant by regularly checking in On them asking you know doing gap analysis with them um so i can proactively keep them out of out of legal trouble and and really it's about protecting their money and their investment and their livelihood
1: well talking about like keeping them out of trouble and keeping uh, protecting their livelihood what just looking at the tech side of things in the tech business uh, what are kind of the biggest legal issues you see that's the elephant in the room that that maybe they're unaware about
2: well there's there's a lot of areas usually i always tell like i said i am like a full uh i have a a very broad legal practice and i serve as general counsel so to to over 30 small businesses and i have um, about four large fortune 2000 companies that I also uh, that I also provide legal advice to and um, oh gosh, what was the question again?
1: <laughs> what are what like some of the biggest uh, oh, legal the big issues? issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, first of all, I always say like, follow the money. That's always step number one. Let's button down the legal risks related to the money coming into your business, because that's how you pay your bills and how you pay your people. And then let's button down the money going out of your business. And so the the money coming in is a revenue. So a lot of my clients They are generally selling services rather than goods, like tangible goods. And so they usually have a contract. And so I help them create custom contracts that fully protect them and address all of their legal needs, but are also like hopefully customer friendly and is something that's easy for people to sign. Um, that's always step number one is looking at wh- how the money's coming in and making sure we have legal protections for that money. And then uh, the next piece is looking at the money going out. Usually that's going to be your workforce or your employees and your independent contractors. Helping my clients sort through, you know, creating offer letter templates, creating uh, employee handbooks, helping them with their employee policies. Uh, Helping them when they have, when they start to have disagreements with their employees or having issues with their employees. And then, same thing on the independent contractor side, except you actually have contracts, right? You need to have a written contract with every single independent contractor. Um, Otherwise, like the default is your independent contractor actually owns all the intellectual property that they create and you only get a license. If you want to have ownership of the work that they create, The only way to do that is to have a contract with them that says specifically that you own all of the work product that they create. A lot of people don't realize that. It's the opposite for employees. You don't have to have that. Um, Any work that an employee creates within the scope of their job description is automatically owned by the company, but it's the opposite for independent contractors. So making sure you're covered there. Um, Like a lot of my clients that are in the marketing or tech industries, this is a huge problem because say you hire a coder uh, internationally, which is very common now like in India, and they're writing custom code for you for your software application, turns out um, you don't have a contract with them, you're just paying them, you're just wiring them money periodically. Um, they have like a very valid claim that they actually own the code that they created. Um, same thing for my clients on the marketing side. It's very common for them to like hire freelance photographers or freelance logo designers, freelance videographers. They don't have solid contracts with those people. Um, they can't then sell that work to their own clients because they don't own it. Mm-hmm.
1: So is that kind of, a, a, well, that was going to lead to the next question in terms of the, the marketing world. Is Do you find that for business owners in that space, uh, something that's common for them to kind of trip up on or just not be aware about?
2: Well, first of all, I think like the foundation for like smaller businesses is protecting your company name and your logo. And a lot of people don't realize this. You actually do get certain free trademark protections. So your brand name and your logo are protected by trademark law. You actually do get free trademark protections under US law. you can also register your trademarks with the US Patent and Trademark Office, which is a government entity, and you can get additional protections on top of what you get for free. Um, and, and you can also work with an attorney to make sure that your company name and logo don't cause really expensive lawsuits because you accidentally copied somebody else's name. And you just didn't realize it a lot of the time. Um, and so we do that legal research Make sure, first of all, like, what is your legal risk of getting sued by other people, and then also what, like, how likely is it that you can get your trademark protected with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office so you can prevent other people from using your name and logo? Mm-hmm. Um, that's foundational for every single business. the 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 other stuff I do with marketing laws is a little bit more fancy. Usually, it's only kind of like those really big companies that. Um, you know, are making 10 million plus a year, are we really going to hire me for that, for the like fancy marketing law work that I do, like reviewing TV ads, reviewing digital ads, reviewing large email marketing campaigns, structuring refer a friend programs, structuring incentive programs, structuring loyalty programs. Um, I also structure scholarship programs, um, those types of things, like usually, like it. You're not going to hire a lawyer to, to, unless you know enough people basically see your stuff. And I usually tell people like a good benchmark is like two thousand. So if you think more than two thousand people are going to see it, it probably makes sense to hire a lawyer. But if less than two thousand people are going to see it, and your business is making less than ten million dollars a year, like people probably aren't going to sue you. So your legal risk is lower.
1: Mm-hmm. So when you say about 2,000 people being seen, it is just in general whether, uh, well, I guess kind of the elephant in the room would be social media if they have a very large following? And mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw a number out there and say, well, let's say they exceed 2,000 followers. <laughs> would that apply?
2: Uh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you have a large social media presence, it's probably a good idea to work with an attorney. A lot of people don't realize there's um, the Federal Trade Commission, which regulates federal marketing laws is really cracking down on social media right now, especially influencers, um, but also brands themselves when it comes to misleading marketing Um, and the requirements for how you're marketing and, and what you're saying on social media is just as stringent or more stringent than other traditional marketing Uh, Mm -hmm. that you would do and and people don't think so they're like oh it's social media everybody's on here so it's not as regulated actually it's like even more dangerous (laughs) in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. so yeah if you're doing big promotions such as like you know buy one get one free you're doing limited time offers like for a limited time offer get 30 percent off of I don't know facials right Uh, you got a wellness spa there you know and you're expecting like Especially if you're expecting like thousands of people to redeem the offer um, or you're expecting, like I said, over 2000 people to like to really see it and engage with it, then, you know, probably a good idea to have a chat with me and it's not it's not that if i'm just like reviewing a few social media posts it's not going to be that expensive my hourly rate's 425 an hour and you know usually if it's not a complicated marketing campaign like one or two hours is going to be plenty and as we work together you'll start to learn what you can and can't say or how you should say certain things so the idea is like i want to give you the tools to succeed so, like, you need me less, or you grow to such a degree that, like, you know you you are willing to like invest a little bit more because you have more class action risk.
1: Mm-hmm. When it kind of move, uh, shifting gears in terms of, of the industry itself, we, we've touched a lot a little bit on the tech and the marketing. Uh, you mentioned you also work with the service delivering uh, professionals. I would imagine on the consulting side, what are kind of the legal aspects or issues that they're facing?
2: Well, with my consulting clients, a lot of times it's protecting their intellectual property, right? Um, Like that's what they're selling is they're selling their ideas and uh, that's what people are buying. (laughs) They're buying their, their, their ideas. So especially for clients who are, my consulting clients who are like reusing certain work products. So for example, they create a they offer like training in certain areas like they may have a presentation or they may create workbooks and they'll want to make sure they're protecting that material so it's not getting um so like people don't steal it basically or they have protections if it's if somebody does try to steal their work Mm -hmm. um So I talk through some of those types of things and help them come up with strategies for how to protect their intellectual property. Um, A lot of times too, it's about like coming up with payment structures to adequately protect the money that's coming in. So it's things like helping them figure out like, how do you determine how credit worthy your client is? Um, You know, perhaps requiring a deposit or requiring a retainer or re- requiring like some sort of piecemeal prepayment. Um, and I think there's like a lot of different ways that you can be flexible to meet your client's needs while still protecting yourself uh, financially and not accidentally digging yourself into a big hole.
1: Well, that, I was going to, that leads into the next question in terms of someone having some kind of an idea or think they have created something new. I mean, how would they go about in terms of beginning the process of protecting that?
2: Well, there, there's uh, all sorts of, right? Like it, there's all different types of um, and categories of intellectual property. So it depends on what the idea is, but I can help you figure out the best protections. My law firm does offer full intellectual property uh, counseling support. So, you know, I'm just going from most expensive to the least expensive to protect here. Um, patents, right? Um, There are, you know, in general, like there's several, there's several different types of patents for most of the business that we're talking about here. It's going to be like, um, you know, probably like design type patents, um, are probably going to be the most common. Um, and, you know, I can help to determine usually, like I said, with the trademark analysis, it's kind of similar. You want to figure out what other patents are similar that already exist. So you're not accidentally like spending a bunch of money on something that somebody else has already invented. Um, and then if once you determine like, oh, OK, this really is like a novel idea, then, you know, you can invest in in getting it patented, which is a, a pretty long process. It takes several years um, and, and helping you understand the cost of doing that and other ways that you can protect your idea perhaps while you're like basically trying to get the, the money and, and whether it even makes sense to invest all of that money in, in a patent. Then the next level is the trademarks, right? We talked about that. So that's usually going to be your brand name and your logo and your tagline. Um, and then there's copyright protections, which um, protects photos and words. So things like um, well, photos, videos, like speeches, books, poems, Um, music is protected by copyright law. So that's your whatever you've come up with uh, copyright law. And again, you get free copyright law protections, Uh, you can register your copyright, you have to register it in order to sue somebody. But if you're not planning to sue anyone, you can just hold off on registering your copyright. So don't get tricked by those other uh, lawyers out there who will try to sell you that service, you don't actually need it. Um, And then publicity rights, which is like usually, you know, the rights that you have to your name and your likeness and the sound of your voice and and things like that identify you as a person. So people can't just like without your permission, for example, put your face on a billboard and say like you support whatever product or put you on a TV ad or put you on. you know, on a big sign in their store without your permission, um, you know, they need to get your permission and, you know, you should get paid for that. Mm-hmm.
1: So for, for the small businesses that are getting started, I know with kind of the new year, a lot of people are kind of checking off their New Year's resolution and going out to start their new business or taking on a path in terms of marketing uh, strategies and campaigns. Um, what is kind of the couple marketing tips you would recommend for those that are starting out?
2: Well, when you're starting out, you probably don't have a very big budget, right? So, you know, you'll want to do the things that are easy and cheap. Um, the easiest is obviously social media and email marketing, and uh, you can do that with a very low budget. Email marketing is like very effective. It takes a lot of time to build a email list, but once you have it, I mean, that is worth a lot of money. Uh, You already know those people are like interested in your services and products. So you're like market, you know, you're marketing to the right people, quote unquote. Uh, And then as far as social media, like that's your network, right? Those are like your friends and family and people who know you. They're also more likely to buy from you than complete strangers. So it makes sense to invest in those channels. Once you have some more money, I think it's really worthwhile to invest in good branding. Uh, right? Like Cassidy, (laughs) I didn't even realize it was a spa. But like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh, it's such a nice spa type atmosphere. Um, She's clearly invested a little bit in some of her branding, but hiring a professional, and you know, it can be a little expensive, um, you know, three to $7,000 for a typical branding package. But that really is the look and feel of your business. Like, how do you want people to like, feel when they see your work? Um, or they come and see you. Like a lot of what we do, especially in the service industry, is like how we make people feel about themselves. And so, like, branding helps you translate how you want people to feel about working with you into, you know, photos and colors and fonts and stuff like that. It's not my area, I just know it's really important. <laughs> Um, but i think those are really the building the building blocks and then from there you can hire marketing professionals to help with things like digital ad campaigns and radio radio ads or even like when you get bigger tv ads and billboards
1: great well so for our listeners how best can they uh, find you their ad and uh tech and marketing attorney
2: well, my email address is, uh, my name, Alina, A-L-I-N-A, at youradattorney. That's, uh, y-o-u-r-a-d-a-t-t-o-r-n-e-y.com. And my website is, uh, is right there. It's youradattorney.com. And you can go directly onto my website in the upper right button. You can, um, click to schedule a call with me and you can automatically schedule a 15-minute free Zoom call with me. You just want to chat about some random legal questions or you just want to grab coffee and network. Um, Would love to meet folks.
1: Great. Thank you, Alina.
2: Thank you.
1: So our next guest coming up, uh, speaking of Spawn, having that atmosphere, Chastity, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: So, can I share with us a little your background story? What got you into wellness and spa and the massage field?
3: Well, one, I've always enjoyed massages, and my boys uh, was a stay-at-home mom for the longest. And my boys were getting older, and I needed to find something else to do. You know, once the kids leave, it's like you are sitting <laughs> at home. You can only clean so much. <laughs> yes. So, I decided to just um, go to school to become a massage therapist, and I just had a huge interest in it, like the health and wellness industry behind it, because I just appreciated like how I felt after massage. And I'm like, well, if I feel this great, maybe I can do something to help somebody else feel great.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> can you share us was also, what, what was the event or was it a series of events or one major event that kind of made you go, you know what, not only am I going to go into the massage field, I'm going to go and open my own spa.
3: Yes. I worked for the chain, um, massage industry and I worked for the big chains and they just weren't giving customers the personalized service that I knew that I wanted to. Um, They, you know, only offer like 50 minute services and you can't really give them that warm feeling. Like I try and treat everybody like family when they come to my spa and you just can't do that. You don't have enough time because everything's on a timer once you're working for somebody else. So, I was like, I don't want to no longer be a part of the problem. I want to have a solution. And so that's what made me think like, you know what? I think I can do this. It was was a bold, scary move, but I just knew what I wanted to do. I just knew that I had a vision and I love helping people. I'm a people person and I really just wanted to bring something different to the spa industry.
1: Uh, How long was that journey from you working in, in i guess the a chain spawn and realizing what i i gotta become the solution oh so
3: uh jay this month made 13 years me being a massage practitioner mm-hmm. and i six years ago no no seven years now seven years ago i was just like you know what i gotta get something together so everything has just been being planned all of this time and it took a year for me to get the space built out so Um, yeah, a total of seven years. It took that long to get everything the way that I wanted to. Well,
1: it takes time to kind of really, you know, chase after your dreams. So speaking of chasing after dreams and now becoming uh, a business owner, um, what do you find kind of being the most difficult thing as a business owner?
3: as a business owner, um, people don't really know that I'm here yet. And, um, just, you know, my location, you know, because I was in a, um, I was at a salon loft. So I was in a one room um, and then I uh, created a bigger space and just people finding me. I think that's the most difficult thing, like getting the word out there, letting people know that I'm here.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, on top of that, as you're kind of growing your business uh, and going to the field as a business owner, what is the best advice you've ever received uh, in your position?
3: the best advice is to always be patient with everybody that you do, that you come across always just show patience because you never know what somebody's going through. Um, you never know how you may meet them later on down the road. Um, and just always be kind to people, no matter what walks of life, if somebody uh, can't afford your service or if they can't afford your service, always be patient and kind to people. That's the best advice that I, I've gotten from, as far as business.
1: Well, you certainly exude patience uh, going through 13 years, I think it was, yeah. uh, in the field and then seven years to really create and perfect the right facility the way you want it rather than kind of jumping in uh, without a plan and kind of rushing things. through. Correct. So then kind of leads up in terms of as a business owner, what do you find as kind of the most challenging thing? Because uh, you mentioned one of it is being known. Out mm-hmm. in public. Uh, what other challenges do you find uh, running now your own spa?
3: Um, the, one of the, the biggest challenges was having a great credit score and nobody still would lend you money because they felt you were too new. Oh. <laughs> that was a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. And to just have to put all of your eggs in one basket to make sure that you have your dream and your vision come alive. And just to basically believe in yourself and know that you can do it. But when you go to the banks and you got your business plan, you have everything that you think that you need. Mm-hmm. And they still just, you know, tell you, well, no, your business is too new or no, you haven't been doing this. And even at that time, it was what, uh, 12 years. You know, I was like, I got 12 years in the industry. I have everything. Great credit score. It meant nothing. They were just like, well, you know, no, get some more um. You know, money underneath your belt. It's just like, well, how much more do you need yeah. in order for you to open this business? So mm-hmm. you just have to put all your eggs in one basket and you just have to take the risk yeah, and, think, and believe in yourself.
1: I think kind of the, the running joke or meme with, with a lot of business owners starting out is when I initially came to a bank, it with nothing and I needed the financing, they wouldn't give me a time of day. But then when I hit it big, then they're throwing money at me when I really don't need it. <laughs> exactly.
3: Um, exactly. Yeah, that is the truth. That's that. That's true. That is true. They they really do like. Oh, you have a business. Oh, you're making deposits, and it's just like, well, now I don't need
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: well, then kind of go, going into the, uh, the the next step of of those who are listening and, and really understanding the, the the amount of patience and planning you, you had to put in, in in force to create the perfect facility. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs that are listening that are kind of on the fence and also planning and of course this being, we're still in in a new year, this is being recorded in January. What would you give uh, advice to them?
3: Um, I would just say, you know what, make sure that you plan everything thoroughly and also plan ahead and think about like uh, incidentals and things that you don't expect to come up. Mm -hmm. Make sure you think about just Give yourself the worst case scenario and plan ahead for that. Like if you're thinking like my first month, I'm not going to have any clients plan for that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Make sure you set money aside for it. Make sure that you have everything that you think that you won't (laughs) need. Make sure that you have it because it's always the opposite. Like, you know, you're thinking like, oh, I got this great space and people are going to be flooded and they're going to come in and it doesn't happen like that. It, it doesn't. It's like it takes hard work. You have to go out there. You have to get the people. You have to bring them back in and you have to be consistent. So I would say plan ahead, stay consistent and make sure that you just deliver a great product mm-hmm. consistently.
1: Well, I don't want to put you completely on this because I know a little bit more uh, about your, your your background and how you got started right in the middle of 2020 with COVID going on and, and kind of your background. Can I can you share with us, kind of, with the audience, what it was like for you to really pivot and, and being able to still persist uh, chasing after your dreams?
3: Well, um, I actually, I had, I was at home before anyone with COVID, before COVID hit. Hmm. And I had an accident and Um, I was off work for a long time, but I still was just trying to make sure that I was planning and getting everything together with the business. Um, So it was just like it was just a difficult task, you know, just still trying to stay focused. So even with my background um, in terms of massage, like prenatal, postpartum, uh, fertility massage, all of these modalities that I had and I'm specializing in um, massage services for women. I had to put all of that on hold in order for me to uh, get better, get myself back up to par and then um, get my space built out. Mm -hmm. So it's just like it was just a rocky road. It just seemed like everything in 2020, COVID, the accident, everything that could have been thrown at me. It was in that year. But I still came out on the other side, just a a lot of prayer and a lot of endurance and a lot of faith.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing. So kind of share with us a little bit more on, on the massage therapy. So for those who are not in a know, mm-hmm. they think, it all would just getting, feel a little better, relax a little bit in terms of, I guess, soreness. But there's a whole other field that I didn't know about, as you mentioned, kind of the, the prenatal massage and just sports uh, sports therapy. Uh, can you share with us a little audience of all the scopes that you provide?
3: Okay, yes. Um. Uh. Fertility massage. Women who are, trying, who are uh, trying to have a baby, having a hard time conceiving, I specialize in fertility massage. A lot of people don't even know that it's a thing, but there are a lot of modalities that you can do in order for you to help a woman to uh, have better chances of conceiving. Um, I did uh, my own case studies with um, the uh, fertility and three out of the four women became pregnant. Um, I also specialize in prenatal um, for women who are pregnant and anywhere from uh, after your first trimester all the way up until the uh, the day you can actually be in labor and get a massage. A lot of people don't know that how therapeutic it is and how it helps with um your labor, how it helps increase circulation in the body and how it keeps you relaxed. A lot of women don't have a difficult pregnancy um if they're getting massages the whole time Um, and then even postpartum do massages after the pregnancy. That's probably one of the most important things as well, because it helps you with um, relaxation. It helps you to uh, create a better bond with you and the baby. And um, if we're in number one, it's just like, and it can help decrease um, postpartum depression in women. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another modality. And then also too, I specialize in infant and pediatric massage as well. I can either instruct or massage uh, show, um, moms or dads or families you know how to massage uh their babies and then also too we offer a sports massage deep tissue massage other therapeutic modalities that help um if you have sports if you have injuries or if you're working out or if you're athletic like you anthony <laughs> you can get a massage uh pre and post um before like any uh, sporting events that you have coming up so all of these things it's just like it's so many avenues of massage and we at tbk wellness spa we create a, um a specific massage that fits your needs. So any ailments that you're having, like a low back pain, um, if a frozen shoulder, uh tennis elbow. So these are all different modalities that we do and we specialize in because massage, I tell people, it's not a luxury, it's a therapeutic need.
1: So for those of who are active or kind of getting, getting old and breaking down, we should probably come to you <laughs> before we <Yeah>. completely <laughs> fall apart. Is that is that what you're telling me? For sure. <laughs> Well, before we let it go, I do know you also have a little something special uh, regarding to your, I think it's infrared sauna. Can you share with the audience what that is about?
3: The far infrared sauna, sauna, my most coveted piece. I love that sauna because um, one, it is great for uh, muscle soreness. It's a great addition to um, after receiving a massage because the uh, far infrared sauna is um, far, near, and mid. The um, the far infrared penetrates the skin, um, the initial part of your skin. Then the uh, mid, it penetrates the muscles where the inflammation is in the body. And then the uh, infrared, the uh, far near and mid, the uh, middle, it uh, detoxes your body from the inside out. So you're getting this broad spectrum of infrared. And it's uh, the only patented infrared sauna by sunlight that increases the body core three, uh, three degrees. So you're getting this great detox. And it helps with depression. It helps with Alzheimer's. Uh, I said uh, muscle soreness. Um, there's one for uh, so the circulatory system, anti-aging and pain relief. So um, even when Anthony, he came uh, over and he got in that sauna afterwards, it was nothing that you expect. It's not the dry heat and you're not, uh, you know, just sweating profusely when you initially, when you walk in, it takes time. And because the body is heating itself up from the inside out, it's a better detox for you, and it's, it's better for your system. And you also sleep good at night.
1: <laughs> good, great. Good. I, I can attest to that. So <laughs> yeah. for our listeners who either uh, want to experience some uh, relaxation, massage for, for women's health, or uh, they're they're active and they want to kind of work out some aches and sores, how can they best find you?
3: The best way to find me um, is at uh, www.tbkwellness.com. Or um, you can contact uh, us directly at 678-587-5019 or uh, through Instagram at uh, tbk wellness underscore spa.
1: Thank you, Chesley.
0: Thank you, Anthony. All right.
1: For our next guest, we have Angie Williams with Be Loco. Welcome to the program.
0: Hi. Thanks for having me. Great. So can <laughs> I share with us a little of
1: your background? What got you into print magazine and, and, and marketing?
0: Well, it's kind of a long journey, um, but I came out of corporate America. So I've been in corporate America my whole adult life. And then in uh, 2005, I was in Maine and had this vision of a coffee shop, you know, and art. And then 2012 rolled around and I was about ready to just bail out of corporate America. So I was selling pottery, which I create down in Atlantic Beach over in Beaufort, North Carolina, And there just happened to be a little shop that said for lease on the building. And so I jumped at the opportunity that I wanted to open up my own business and get out of corporate America. So December 8th of 2012, I went back to corporate America and left. And then uh, I packed up my house and I had networked and got my Facebook page up and running and Instagram and just all those things and sourced out to some um, um, different um, counties with their arts and stuff like that. And I left um, North Carolina at my house with about 12 or 13 artists that wanted to be a part of my gallery. So uh, it was on New Year's Eve. I unpacked in the rain in a small little suite apartment and then got my gallery up and running in 12 days. Mm-hmm. So that was the beginning of my entrepreneurship. Um, so I had my gallery for a couple of years, but I worked day and night, 14 hour days for two years. Um, and within that time, our, my family changed a little bit. My kids are here, so that was like a like 10-hour journey, you know, and they could never come visit me, and I could never leave my shop, and, you know, and so family changed a little bit, and then um, there was a publication that came around that area at the time, and it was targeting affluent communities and that type of stuff, and I knew the, the man that owned that particular magazine, and so I went to him one day, and I just said, you know, hey, um, I'd love to, to, um, just write the art corner section, you know? And he's like, Oh, I'd love for you to do that. He goes, I can't pay you. (laughs) I said, that's fine. I don't really want payment. I just, I love to write. And so it kind of started out with that. And so I, I began really enjoying the publication that he had. And then one day I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to have my own magazine. And I, so I closed my shop and I started my own, my own publication.
1: So talking a little bit about the publication, I mean, you mentioned uh, kind of targeting someone with the affluent. What is their, is, is that their so nation focused, or is there something special about this particular publication that, gravi- that made you gravitate towards them?
0: Yes. Yeah, so um, the company, uh, it's called N2 Company down in Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And we target um, affluent communities and that's how they started the company back in 2004 so when you are targeting certain communities and that they're the affluent communities, they have like the best word of mouth, the best social environments, and the businesses really want to be a part of being in front of the affluent communities. So with all of our publications, we have a bunch of other publications as well. And, um, most of those are community based publications, um, which I really gravitate towards, um, because, um, I love you know, part of retail is what I love is, you know, being in front of people and talking to people and getting to know them a little bit. And that's really what I loved about the art galleries. You really get to know the people that are coming in and they come in to see you just because, you know, they, they love you, you know, and they want to know how you're doing it, not because they're buying anything, but because they really just want to see you. And so that's what I really loved about the affluent communities is because you become a part of that neighborhood and they reach out to you for things, they invite you to parties, um, and they just want you to be a part of what they're a part of. And and you just become part of their communities and they become part of your family. Like uh, I just received um, a box of chocolates from one of the neighbors um, back in my community from, you know, five years ago mm-hmm. that sent me a box of chocolates for Christmas.
1: Great. Well, that's it's really building a whole family around Uh, the magazine and kind of bringing everyone in together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. And um, the publication that I do now is called be local Alpharetta and Milton. Mm -hmm. And it's just another publication that our, our company does, but this one really targets that new mover And when I was growing up, we moved every four years. Um, I thought my dad was running from the law, actually, (laughs) but but he wasn't. He was in sales. Um, But So we moved every four years. So we were always starting over and trying to figure out where to go and what businesses to trust and that type of stuff. And with my career as well in corporate America, I started over every four years because my businesses kept getting acquired by another company. So my whole life... I've been starting over every four or five years. Um, so when the opportunity came with our company to start this be local publication, I really just kind of jumped on it because I'm very passionate about trying to help that entrepreneur because I was an entrepreneur with a gallery. Um, but also to have that resident find, you know, the best things to do and the best businesses to use within that community. Because, um, as you know, as you've moved before, um, You don't know which business to go to, which one is the best dentist, and that kind of stuff. And so we were always trying to try to figure it out every time we moved to a different state. Mm-hmm. So even moving from, like, if you're incoming and you move down to Roswell, you still have to start everything over, you know? And so even if you move locally, you're still, you know, restarting yourself and your family.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's targeting and being more specific only two new movers uh is there a an idea behind that concept or the idea of only targeting new movers coming into the residence
0: yeah so the whole thing and, and a lot of uh, marketing isn't done to new movers you know the welcome wagon doesn't really exist anymore um and so targeting a new mover for a business is really ideal because that new mover is actually trying to build their habits right they're trying to figure out which coffee shop to go to now and you know, we're not going to go to Starbucks, you know, and get them out of their own little four corners, right? So to get them to build new habits, whether it is a, a slice of pizza, where they're going to go for a date night and that type of stuff. But for a business, a business is looking for new blood, so to speak. And so what we do is we target those new movers every single month. And so for a business's point of view, let's just take a dentist, for example. So um, You've lived here for quite a while and you have your dentist already, but a new mover doesn't have a dentist yet and they don't have word of mouth from anybody yet because they don't know anybody. Um, and so they are trying to, you know, find that, but that business is like, Oh my goodness, they don't know that I'm better than the guy down the street and they don't know anything else here. I want to be in front of that new mover before they even get here. Right. And I want to be able to stand out a little bit differently so that they'll start coming to me. Um, that new mover is also spending like so much money when they're first moving here, cause they're getting their house all set up. Mm-hmm. They're getting new, new hardwoods or taking out the carpet or they're putting in a new pool, just, you know, everything. So they are spending so much money when they're first getting here as well. And so that business wants to be on the forefront of that money spend as well. So it's 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 good for both. It's good for the residents, you know, to find the businesses that the locals trust already, mm-hmm. and it's really great for the businesses to get in front of these new movers to help their business grow.
1: Mm-hmm. We well, should kind of leads to the next question for business owners: like, how how do you guys find or f- get the information to, to be able to distribute? To these new movers that are coming in.
0: Oh, good question. So um, we distribute in a few different ways. So as a new mover when you're moving here, you're either buying a house or you're renting, right? And so you usually use a relitter. So we kind of do like a before you've moved, during your move, and after you've moved as far as distribution. So before you move, you have a relitter, and that relitter is the only guy that you trust. So what we do is we pull the data um, from the deeded records. Um, And so every month we do this. And so we can find out who just moved into Alpharetta and Milton. So what we do is we pull that information and we mail a hard copy to um, some of the more exclusive um, uh, residents. So that um, realtor is basically saying, hey, Joe, you know what? I know Angie. I've heard about her through Instagram or whatever. And she's sourced this um, publication And this publication is just a reference guide, and it's just filled with knowledge from the residents that already lived here. So he's handing this new resident this publication or the online version of it and saying, you know what? She's interviewed a lot of these businesses that are advertising in here. The rest of the content comes from the locals that have been living here for a really long time. So get started with that. And, you know, it saves them a couple of years of trying to figure it out. So after they've moved here, then what we do is we mail a hard copy to that ex, you know those exclusive homeowners. But what we also do is we put that business's um, um, sponsored ad on the Facebook and Instagram of every single new mover moving in every month um, into Alfreda Milton. It and crosses over into Johns Creek a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So we want to get them um, in front of um, this um, particular publication every way that we can.
1: So. And that was going to lead to the next question in terms of the publication. Like, What kind of content and where does the content come from for the readers to still kind of be engaged? Because it sounds like it's really just, a, a, a I guess, a, a phone book for them to kind of reference to of service they want to be able to use. But what else is also within the book itself?
0: So the content comes from the locals that live here. So mm-hmm. um, back in 2012, um, I was still in Raleigh during covid So back then COVID just hit and none of us could come out and play, right? We were all hunkered down in our houses. Nobody was walking the streets. And I just started my Be Local publication in Raleigh. So I had my residential publication, but then I also wanted to start Be Local again because I'm so passionate about moving. Um, So when COVID hit, I'm like, oh my gosh, holy cow, there's not even a person walking around Raleigh. It's just me and my photographer there's not going to be anybody in the photos, you know? Um, So we were able to go to print within three months during a pandemic in Raleigh. So my life changed again, and I needed to move back here to Alpharetta. And so, um, and and going back to that other story um, in Raleigh, when I had my HOA publication, I had half of my advertisers stay in my HOA publication, but they also wanted to be in the Be Local publication. So when you're talking about businesses that aren't even getting business right now because we're in COVID, but yet they wanted to spend money in both magazines, um, that just tells you a little bit about how powerful our publications really are to the community. Mm-hmm. So when I came down here, I only had the Raleigh publication, Be Local publication. So the content part of it comes from me walking around town. And let me just say that maybe I saw you and your wife holding hands. So I would just talk to you. I'm from the Midwest. We talk a lot. We're friendly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would just say, hey, excuse me, but um, you guys look like you're having a lot of fun. Where are you guys headed? And you would say, we're going to go to, you know, Crust Pizza. I'm like, oh, my, what do you love about the pizza there? Mm-hmm. So you will tell me. And then I would just say, do you mind if I take a photo of you? So my name is Angie. I own this magazine called Be Local, and it's to help new residents moving in. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. So the content really comes from me inquiring, walking around town, but also um, putting things out on Instagram and Facebook and just saying, hey, you guys, tell me the best cup of coffee. Where do you guys go and why do you go there? So that's where all the content comes from.
1: So it's almost like uh, old fashioned, like on the beat journalism for the community, kind of finding out what's new and what's happening in in the area that people who are new, just as you mentioned, no clue about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And actually when I'm talking to all these people, they were like wanting to see the publication Mm -hmm. and how do I get a copy of it? And so when you're, when you're showing them the publication, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know. Where is that? I've never seen that. And I've lived here for so many years. And so everybody wants a copy of the publication, which is great because they can just have the online digital one that we do as well. Mm
1: -hmm. Great. Well, thank you for sharing. So how can our listeners, whether they're business want to be more engaged and kind of go after this very niche target of new movers coming in or the listeners who want to learn a little bit more about their community how can they best find you
0: oh sure so i'm on instagram and facebook you can just go be local and that's b-e-l-o-c-a-l be local alpharetta and milton um and you can also just um, email me if you want to it's angie.williams at the letter n the number 2 dot com or Williams at BelocalPub.com um, and those are the best ways to get hold of me and also if you guys have any um, references that you'd like to do about you know one of the favorite places that you like to go or hiking trails or something like that please please send them on that helps the new residents you know find something else to do great thank you you're welcome thanks for having me right. well
1: before we bring out all our guests back uh, based on kind of the conversation today we have a lot of new entrepreneurs who either left corporate uh, or knowing that they can serve a lot better, uh, leaving the kind of the chain uh, of companies that they've been working with and really planning and plotting out uh, their, their eventual opening up their own business or being motivated and seeing as they're growing up uh, their parents running their business. So kind of keeping with the theme of the season of New Year's resolution and all, almost everyone kind of coincidentally opening up your new business in the middle of COVID and thriving still. So let's work with kind of that theme of those who are still on, on, on the fence and, and, and seeing when is the right time, quote unquote, the right time for me to really step out there and grow my business and take that risk. If you could turn back the hands of time and kind of either talk to your younger self or someone that is in a very similar position where you were a couple of years back before making that New Year's resolution, or whether it's in December or opening it in January, what would be that major advice you would say, do this first before looking at anything else? So the question is, if you can turn back the hands of time, looking back to your younger self before you continue down this path of opening your business, or talking to someone that's on that same path, What would be the first advice you would give to that person? Do this first before anything else. As we give our uh, guests here some time to think about it, a little legalese here. So this show is uh, sponsored and brought to you by yours truly, myself, Anthony Chen, with Lighthouse Financial Network Securities and Advisory Services, offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RAA, member FINRA, SIPC. RIA is separately owned and all other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of RIA. The main office address here is 575 Broadhollow Road in Melville, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at 631-465-9090, extension 5075, or my email, uh, which is just my phone name, Anthony Chen, C-H-E-N, at dot So turning back to our guests, uh, again, the question is, if we can kind of go with the theme, taking that step, uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, whether deciding out in December or January, or just again, going with the season, we can start with uh, Alina. What would be that one advice you would give to your younger self or to that person that's on that fence?
2: I I think it would be Go for it. If you know, if you feel like that's what's going to bring you joy and is going to fill up your soul, you know, you only have one life. We got to do what fills us up from the inside. And then secondly, if I could give myself a piece of advice, it would be to remember to have fun. I think that, you know, you get so wrapped up in, in starting your business and planning and doing like everything A to Z that sometimes you forget like why you did it and that like this is supposed to be like fun. like It's supposed mm-hmm. to fill us up. And um, and uh, otherwise, this is just it's just way too hard to start your own business. Like let somebody else pay you a steady salary. But if you're passionate about something and you're chasing this passion or you're chasing this dream, like make sure that you nurture that part of yourself and your soul.
1: Thank you. And Chastity.
3: Um, I would have to say, if I was turn back the hands of time, I would say get somebody who is just as passionate as you, and you guys enter the business together. Just get somebody that can match your energy and, and match exactly, like has a, the the vision. They believe in the product that you have, and they have the same goal in mind. And if I had to tell my younger self something, it would be. Um, The moment you knew that industry wasn't treating you right, get out.
1: It sounds like someone stayed in there a little too long. (laughs) Well, we're glad that that, that you got out and you are now living your dream, and it sounds like you're having a whole lot of fun.
0: I am.
1: (laughs) All right, and Angie.
0: So I would say if you're really feeling the itch, just scratch it because I felt the itch for years. And my aunt kept saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. And that went from 2005 to 2012. And I just like said, I'm doing it. And so the, um, the other piece of advice I would say is, you know, you may not be financially stable, but be financially stable enough that you can put yourself through a couple of years. If you have to going through hard times, um, and try to find somebody that can help you in your business. So like I did mine all solo for two years by myself, you are definitely married to your business. So just make sure that you have the time to give to your business what it deserves. But definitely if you have the passion, go for it. You you only live once like we've just said. And you know it does, it makes you happy and it fills your soul. And in no other way and, you know, in a regular job that's nine to five, than this does to see your dream, to fulfill it, to go to bed at night, knowing that you did something good for yourself, but for somebody else with something that you love to do.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for Welcome. sharing. So now it's for a little uh, segment called Anthony's Take. Uh, now with a kind of the perspective uh, on financial planning and now going with continuing with the season of living dreams And having New Year's resolution, I know for a lot of people, they're thinking of, oh, I'm going to get my house in order, whether it's physical health, financial health, mental health, and all that. Uh, Kind of the the stereotype with financial planning can be very intimidating and people don't see it as fun uh, because they they kind of see the feelers of coming, telling them, oh, you shouldn't spend this because you got to save here, you got to retire here. Well, another perspective uh, to look towards that is when you're opening uh, or creating a financial plan, it has to be something that fulfills one's goal, whether it's opening a business or in in their definition of fun, pouring their their passions in terms of their quote-unquote retirement lives uh, into a nonprofit. So at the end of the day, when having that retirement or financial planning conversation, it's not just about hitting a check mark of, oh, hit an arbitrary age and then not retire. It's what can these financial resources do for myself, my community, and my family? Those are the big questions. And if the answers all revolve around building, having fun and living life to the fullest, as Alina uh, mentioned, uh, you only get to live once, can't take the money with you. Uh, ironically here, I'm, I'm the financial guy telling my clients to go and spend their money. Yes, I am. Because again, it's, a portfolio is one thing, but you can't take the portfolio with you. So that's a little bit of my take. Have fun and go and be able to live your life to the fullest. And that's today's episode. Thank you for listening in to Family Business Radio.